right. Well, I couldn't stay away, so we're going to have to go ahead and continue with chapter 11. It's a super short chapter, which is why I thought I could go ahead and do it. Um, Eleanor is now facing the greatest disappointment um, because she knows it's it's over. It's officially over. He is married to Lucy. And she knew it was coming. It still hurts. You know, that's that's just the that's the sting. It it will always still hurt. And now, of course, she's got her mom talking on the other hand about talking to moving out to Barton so that she'd have to live out there, and that you know we wish them well. That's a Lucy all over, and poor Eleanor had to deal with that. So, anyway, we'll go ahead with chapter eleven today. Um, like I said, it's a it's a short one. Oh, there is dialogue. I think I lied last week and I said there was no dialogue. There is dialogue this week. So don't worry. You get to hear more of my beautiful voices. found the difference between the expectation of the unpleasant event, however certain in the mind may be told to consider it, and certainty itself. She now found that in spite of herself she had always admitted a hope, while Edward remained single, that something would occur to prevent his marrying Lucy, that some resolution of his own, some mediation of his friends, or some more eligible opportunity of establishments for the lady, would arise to assist in the happiness of all. But he was now married, and she condemned her heart for the lurking flattery, which so much heightened the pain of the intelligence. That he should be married so soon, before, as she had imagined, he could be in orders, and consequently before he could be in possession of a living, surprised her a little at first. But she soon saw how likely it was that Lucy, in her self-provident care, in her haste to secure him, should overlook everything but the risk of delay. They were married, married in town, and were now hastening down to her uncle's. What had Edward felt on being within four miles of Barton, on seeing her mother's servant, on hearing Lucy's message? They would be soon, she supposed, settled at Delaford. Delaford, a place which seemed conspired to give her an interest, which she wished to be acquainted with and yet desired to avoid. She saw them in an instant in their parsonage house, saw in Lucy the active, contriving manager, uniting at once a desire of smart appearance and the utmost frugality, and ashamed to be suspected of half her economical practices, pursuing her own interest in every thought, courting the favor of Colonel Brandon, of Mrs. Jennings, and of every wealthy friend. In Edward she knew not what she saw, nor wished to see. Happy or unhappy, nothing pleased her. She turned her head away from every sketch of him. Eleanor flattered herself that some of the, some one of their conversations in London would write... Bleh, bleh, bleh. Eleanor flattered herself that some one of their connections in London would write to them about and announce the event, and further particulars. But every day after day that passed off and brought no letter, no tidings. Though uncertain that they were one to blame, she found fault with every absent friend. They were all thoughtless or idolent. "'When do you write to Colonel Brandon, ma'am?' was an inquiry that sprung from the impatience of her mind to have something going on. "'I wrote him last week, my love, rather expecting to see than to hear from him again. I earnestly pressed his coming to us in my letter, and should not be surprised to see him walk in today or tomorrow or any day.' Colonel this was gaining something, and something to look forward to. Colonel Brandon must have some information to give. Scarcely had she so determined it when the figure of a man on horseback drew her eyes to the window. He stopped their gate. 
It was a gentleman. It was Colonel Brandon himself. Now she could hear more. She trembled in the expectation of it. But it was not Colonel Brandon, neither his air nor his height. Were it possible, she should say it would must be Edward. She looked again. He had just dismounted. She could not be mistaken. It was Edward. She moved away and sat down. He comes from Mr. Pratt's purposely to see us. I will be calm. I will be mistress of myself. In a moment she perceived that the others were likewise aware of the mistake. She saw her mother and Marianne change color. She saw them look to herself, then whisper a few sentences to each other. She would have given the world to be able to speak, and to make them understood that she hoped no coolness, no slight, would appear in their behavior towards him. But she had no utterance, and was obliged to leave them all to their own discretion. Not a syllable passed aloud. They all waited in silence for the appearance of their visitor. His footsteps were heard among the, on, along the gravel path. In a moment he was in the passage, and in another he was before them. His countenance as he entered the room was not too happy. Even for Eleanor, his complexion was white with agitation, and he looked as if fearful of his reception, and conscious that he merited no kind one. Mrs. Dashwood, however, comforting, as she trusted, to the wishes of her that daughter, by whom she then meant to be in the warmth of her heart, to be guided in everything, met him with a look of forced complacency, gave him her hand, and wished him joy. He colored, stammered out an unintelligible reply. Eleanor, Eleanor's lips had moved with her mother's, and when the si when the moment of action was over, she wished she had shaken hands with him too. But it was then too late, and then a countenance to meaning would be open, and she sat down and again and talked of the weather. Marianne had retreated as much as possible out of sight to conceal her distress, and Margaret, understanding in some part, but not the whole of the case, thought it incumbent on her to be dignified, and therefore took a seat as far from him as she could, and maintained a strict silence. When Eleanor had ceased to rejoice in the dryness of the season, a very artful pause took place. A very awful, not artful, awful. It was put to an end by Mrs. Dashwood, who felt obliged to hope that he had left Mrs. Fair as well. In a hurried manner, he replied in the affirmative. Another pause. Eleanor, exerting herself, though fearing the sound of her own voice, now said, Is Mrs. Ferrers at Longstaple? At Longstaple? He replied. Oh, right, no, that's not his word. At Longstaple? He replied with an air of surprise. No, my mother is in town. I meant, said Eleanor, taking up some work from the table. And that means, like, she picked up her knitting so she'd have something to do and look at, or uh, sewing, I mean, not knitting. I meant, said Eleanor, taking up some work from the table, to inquire after Mrs. Edward Ferrers. She dared not look up, but her mother and Marianne both turned their eyes on him. He colored, seemed perplexed, and looked doubtingly, and after some hesitation said, "'Perhaps you mean my brother. You mean Mrs. Mrs. Robert Ferrers.'" "'Mrs. Robert Ferrers?' was repeated by Marianne and her mother in an accent of the most utmost amazement, and though Eleanor could not speak, even her eyes were fixed on him with the same impatient wonder. He rose from his seat and walked to the window, apparently from not knowing what to do, took up a pair of scissors and that lay there, and while spoiling them both on their sheath by cutting the latter to pieces as he spoke, he said in a hurried voice, which means he took up a pair of nice little sewing scissors, 
and cut to bits the little leather sheath that these scissors are in because he is anxious and upset, which is both adorable and frustrating. Like, no, bad, 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 Edward. Squirt you with a little spray bottle. Don't do that. Anyway. Uh, spoilt them by cutting them in their sheaths and the latter to pieces as he spoke and said in a hurried voice, Perhaps you do not know. You may not have heard that my brother is lately married to, to the youngest, to Miss Lucy Steele. His words were echoed with an unspeakable astonishment by all but Eleanor, who sat with her head leaning over her work in a state of such agitation as hardly made her know where she was. Yes, said he, they were married last week and are now at Dawlish. Eleanor could sit no longer. She almost ran out of the room. As soon as the door was closed, burst into tears of joy, which at first she thought would never cease. Edward, who till then had looked anywhere rather than her, saw her hurry away, and perhaps saw or even heard her emotion, for immediately afterwards he fell into a reverie, which no remarks, no inquiries, no affectionate address of Mrs. Dashwood could penetrate, and at last, without saying a word, quitted the room and walked out towards the village, leaving the others in the greatest astonishment and perplexity on a change in his situation, so wonderful and so sudden, and a perplexity at which they had no means of lessening by, by their own conjectures. End chapter 12. Well, um, that is some big news. Uh, so in that chapter, short as it was, had one of the most famous of Jane Austen's lines. Um, I will be calm. I will be mistress of myself. Uh, it's definitely one of those lines that gets quoted a lot um, and sounds the most like Jane Austen. Out of a lot of Jane Austen lines, don't sound like Jane Austen herself. Um, to me, at least, you know, they, they sound like her characters. But I will be calm. I will be mistress of myself definitely sounds like the type of character that Jane Austen herself was and uh, the the type of character that she thought was the best or the types who can be the mistress of themselves that they and this goes with that early idea of feminism um that women are not slave to their emotions they are reasoned and governed creatures just like anybody else and this idea that you don't have to be you know to look at it as a woman is just hormonal was very common in this era. And to say, I will be calm. I will be mistress of myself is to show that you're not just giving in to all your womanly passions or whatever. So it is an early form of feminism, but it's also a, a very famous quote and I, I do like it. Uh, it's 0% me. Um, especially these last few chapters, you guys have probably noticed I've been a little, Wah! um, but yeah, anyway. And so Edward's big news um, he arrives at the house and says that Lucy is married to his brother and it's like, what? Yeah. And so Eleanor is so like shocked. She just has to run away because she's like, what the heck is even happening? <laughs> and she does not want like everyone there watching as she's trying to process what this means and what it might not mean. I mean, Edward finds out he's not married and comes immediately to see her. Like it's definitely not showing that he's upset or about the, but she's got lots to think about. 
Uh, she just barely started to think about herself as divided from him forever. And now there's this. And a girl needs time to process these things. Anybody needs time to process these things. Um, and then Edward is all embarrassed and confused, too, because he's like, you know, this is this whole affair has been so awkward. And for such an awkward individual, I'm sure he's had a really hard time with it. And so he tears up those scissors, which bothers me to bits. And then he just walks off into the village and is just like, okay, bye for now. <laughs> it's just, I love Edward. He's just such an awkward little boy. He's so sweet. Anyway. All right. Well, that was chapter 11. I promised you there are 14 chapters. If I remember my Roman numerals, right? So, um, no, that was chapter that was chapter 12 and there are 14 chapters so we're down to the home stretch here uh the next chapter is a bit longer and then chapter 14 is uh, i would say average length so it's so exciting i'm so excited are you excited i'm so excited so we have to find out what um edward's intentions are now and what eleanor will say and if there is anything to say and then got to do something for poor miss marianne who's Still, you know, just recovering from her illness. All right. Well, that's all for today. I hope you all have a great Thursday, my favorite day of the week. And um, remember to eat your fruits and vegetables. I said that because I'm about to eat my daily serving of fruit. And I just was like, you know, that doesn't hurt to remind everybody that um, you're basically a houseplant with more complicated emotions. So feed yourself and water yourself and remember your emotions. And bye for now.